hey, this is a special day for us at Calvary Mountain View as we transition from one season to the next. And uh, we're going to be doing some special things this morning. We have um, some guest speakers coming up. We're going to be praying and, and sending off and laying hands on our new pastor, Bill um, Bjorkman, and his wife, Michelle, and Rick and Kelly Franks, and uh, just a special day. It's a little bit of, it's, it's a little emotional, too. I found myself uh, getting a little emotional during worship there. Um, but it's a celebration, too. I just want to remind everyone that this is a celebration because God's faithful. Amen. First Peter chapter 5 tells us that the elders who rule well among you are worthy of double honor. And that speaks of uh, a couple things there, but definitely speaks of showing gratitude and honor and love and appreciation for the men that God has placed in our lives to be spiritual leaders, those that he's called to, to shepherd us and lead us and feed us faithfully in the word of God. And, and both of these men have been faithful to do that. And so we're honoring them, but ultimately we're honoring the man, the chief shepherd, amen, Jesus, because he's been so faithful to his body and to this local body. And so that's what we want to do this morning, amen. So we're going to have some guest speakers, a couple guys that have been uh, instrumental uh, in, in the history of Calvary Chapel, Mountain View, and Calvary Chapel in general in the Bay Area. And uh, Rick's life, Bill's life, myself, I know many of you, these guys have been instrumental in our lives, so, uh, but also in this transition process for Calvary Mountain View. So let's, let's welcome these guys. We're going to have Pastor Bill Holdridge come on up and share with us. Thank you. And for those of you that don't know me, that doesn't matter too much, I suppose. But I do want to tell you a little bit about what we're doing, what I've been doing for the last number of years. Uh, I oversee a ministry called Poyman Ministries, and we have a ministry of strengthening pastors to strengthen churches. That's what we do. And in the course of what we do, we've been involved, our team, with over 27 pastoral transitions of Calvary Chapel churches in the last eight years. And I don't say that to say that we're qualified for anything or in anything other than to say we've observed a lot. We kind of follow the uh, verbiage of Yogi Berra, the great Yankee outfielder and catcher. He said you can observe a lot just by watching. And we've been watching a lot and observing a lot in the process, and we've, we've seen much. So I want to uh, speak with you this morning about pastoral transition, specifically as it relates to Calvary Chapel Mountain View Pastor Rick and Pastor Bill. So if you turn in your Bibles to Joshua, the first chapter, that would be wonderful. So here's a reality for everyone to consider before we dive into our text. Every single pastor of every single church somewhere in the world is a transitional pastor. Unless... Jesus comes back before his ministry is finished. But every other pastor is going to have another pastor pastor the congregation that he has been pastoring. And that means that every single congregation is going to have another pastor other than the one that is currently pastoring that congregation. It's a reality of life. It's a reality of ministry. And all over the country and all over the world, churches are experiencing uh, from time to time what you are experiencing here today and in the future, pastoral transition. It's important to know that because you're not alone. You're not the only church that's experienced that. Pastor Rick and Kelly are not alone. They're not the only pastoral couple that has moved out of this into that. Pastor Bill and Michelle, they're not alone. They're not the only pastoral couple that has come in to a transitional situation. We've got a large body of witnesses to the process. And people and churches and pastors survive. It's important to know that. They survive. Not only survive, but thrive. So, Pastor Rick has been a transitional senior pastor. We don't always think that way as we're pastoring our churches. I pastored in Monterey for 27 years. I wasn't thinking during those 27 years, for the most part, 
that I was the transitional pastor, that somebody else is going to come behind me. It would have been helpful had I thought that way a little bit more, I think, but I wasn't. And then when that day finally did come, I remember it was emotional, it was deep, it was profound. And then moving on from that moment, you start to experience other things, like hindsight is twenty-twenty, And you start learning things about the fruitful things that took place. You start learning things about the things that you wish you didn't do it that way, and you'd like to have a do-over. You learn things about the grace of God that says, okay, enough of that introspection, enough of that looking back. Let's start moving ahead and start looking at the present. And all of those kinds of things happen. It's just inevitable. And so here we are this morning. And you're going to go through changes. I think if there's one word that describes the typical angst of any church that goes through transition, it's the word change. Because a lot of stuff changes. But you don't have to be anxious about it because as Tosh so well said, we have a chief shepherd. Jesus is the chief shepherd. And so that's really the focus. So Joshua chapter 1. I want to direct your attention there. Historically, at this point in the text, the children of Israel have been delivered from Egypt. And they're now about ready to come in to the promised land that God said he would give to them. So we're going to read verses 1 and 2 to begin. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. So as we can see in the text, by this time, in this particular transition, Moses has died. And Joshua was appointed by the Lord to take Moses' place and lead the congregation. I'm going to draw a little bit of a parallel between Pastor Rick and Pastor uh, Bill, because obviously this is a transition. The big difference is that Rick is not dead. (laughs) That's the big difference. In fact, he's very much alive, and I have been in his shoes. I know what those shoes feel like in many ways. You feel like, I've got so much gas left in my tank still. Things to do, things I want to, but this is a different season. This is a different moment. Now, we've learned that churches that go through transitions well go through transitions better when their pastor who has departed has departed for a good reason. You can put Pastor Rick and Kelly in that category. It's just a season of life. We get a little older. We have parents that are aging. It's time to move forward. It's time to take care of them. In Ephesians, the sixth chapter, Paul wrote to the Ephesian church. He said, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. It's the first commandment with promise that it may be well with you, uh, and that your days may be long uh, on the earth. And honor your parents, the text tells us. Now, we obey our parents when we're dependents. But once we're emancipated, and our parents are emancipated from us, the, the biblical command isn't so much obey, but it's honor. And that's what Pastor Rick and Kelly are doing. They're honoring. And this is a new stage of ministry, a new stage of life for them. It's not going to be forever. But it's going to be a time for them where they're going to be renewed, strengthened. Hindsight will become 2020. They'll tweak some things in which they would like to have done some things different, some things uh, they were going to be happy with. The Lord gave them wonderful wisdom during that season. It's, It's inevitable. It happens to all of us. But they're going for a good reason. And that's important for you to realize. Uh, Rick and Kelly love you very much. I know that. 16 plus years of ministry here. It's been a wonderful, wonderful time. And as Rick prayed before the service, a great foundation, a wonderful foundation has been laid here. I would say it's more than a foundation. I would say that there's quite a, a building that's been built as well. Not just the foundation. And it's going to continue. Now, as we look at the situation in Joshua 1, I want you to think about 
I'm a baseball guy, so you have to forgive me here. I want you to think about Lou Gehrig for a minute. Lou Gehrig, the great Hall of Fame first baseman who played for the New York Yankees, played in uh, consecutively 2,130 games without a break. He held the record until Cal Ripken broke it back in the, the 90s. 2,130 games. Every game since he had been named captain of the Yankees, he would take the lineup card before the game to the umpires and hand it to them, and his name would be penciled in the fourth position in the batting order as the first baseman of the New York Yankees for 2,130 games. And then one day, Lou Gehrig went forward with that same lineup card, and this time, as Yankee captain, his name was not in the lineup. Babe Dahlgren's name was in the lineup that day. I've often thought about that analogy, because how do you replace a Lou Gehrig? What if you're Babe Dahlgren? What is that going to feel like? And what if you're Lou Gehrig? What's it going to feel like for him? The wonderful and powerful force of personality and player that he was. How do you replace a Moses? Arguably the greatest leader of all time, aside from the Lord Jesus. Two to three million people across a huge stretch of desert for 40 years. No fixed water supply, no fixed food supply. The people themselves easily confused, prone to idolatry, obstinate, rebellious, unyielding, dissatisfied, untrained for warfare, unorganized, unbelieving, uncooperative, and unappreciative. And Moses got to lead them. <laughs> and the Lord did a wonderful thing. He did a wonderful thing. How do you replace, similar question, how do you replace a Rick and a Kelly Franks? You don't. Just in the same way you can't replace a Moses, the Lord brought somebody else in who was different, that would be used by God the same way Moses had been used by God. Joshua wasn't going to be a mini Moses, and he wasn't even going to be another Moses. He was going to be Joshua, and the Lord was going to use him to bring them into the land of Canaan, to conquer and divide the land, to reallocate the tribes over the different portions that have been given to them, and to stabilize the nation. That's how God was going to use Joshua. You don't replace a Moses. I don't think you replace a Rick and Kelly Franks because they're irreplaceable. They're the only ones of them that God made. There are no other Rick and Kelly Franks. And so the Lord has brought somebody else behind them with different gifts, but with the same vision to serve the Lord and follow him. Moses had been that man in Israel for 40 years. And now Joshua would be God's man for many years to come. If Joshua was the same age as Caleb, and the, and the Bible doesn't specifically say that he was, then he led Israel for another 28 years before uh, he himself passed away. But if he was 59 years of age when he took over the reins from uh, Moses, which many Jewish scholars believe is the case, then he led Israel for another 52 years. So whether it's 28 years or 52 years, Joshua was the new leader that God had ordained and appointed for the children of Israel. And Joshua, Moses' longtime assistant, was handpicked by the Lord to take over these reigns. I know Pastor Bill Bjorkman. And he has been a longtime pastoral assistant associate pastor, assisting pastor for three Calvary Chapel pastors. Pastor Dave for 10 years. He had the misfortune of having me for two years. And then Pastor Matt Valencia for the last six years. And he has served faithfully in that role and has learned some of the strengths that each of us may have had. Some, I'm sure, some of the weaknesses that each of us may have had. And he's developed his own approach and his own vision to ministry. And he's the one that the Lord has 
decided should take over the reins of Calvary Chapel Mountain View. I'm confident of it because I believe in Jesus' work in Bill and Michelle with all my heart. So now we're going to read verses 3 through 9, and we'll wrap up quickly here. Because this goes into a, 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 a practical application. These are promises that God is making to Joshua and commands that he's giving to Joshua, directives to Joshua, which will ensure Israel's success moving forward. These commands, these promises are applicable to Pastor Rick and Kelly. They're applicable to Pastor Bill and Michelle, and they're applicable to the entire congregation of Calvary Chapel Mountain View. So let's read verses 3 through 9, and then we'll close. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. From the wilderness in this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You know, usually we tell people to turn their cell phones off in the service. I've never had to tell a pastor to do that before. <laughs> That's pretty good. Praise the Lord. <laughs> if you were Moses... How would you have felt moving on? If you were the man who replaced Moses, how would you have felt moving in? If you were the congregation, how would you have needed to respond to the new leadership and to the change that was coming? The answer, by keeping your eyes on the Lord. That's what Moses would have done if he was still alive at this time. That's what Joshua certainly had to do. He had to stay in the word and the word had to stay in him. And the people. They had to understand that this was God's man. And they had to embrace it in their hearts. It needed to be a matter of prayer. It needed to be a matter where they say, yes, we can see the Lord is in this. And this is now the new, new normal. You can see here that the, the commandments are clear. Don't be afraid. Be strong and of good courage. Be strong and very courageous. Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. And I'm attracted to that particular word. It means don't allow yourself to break down by confusion or fear or discouragement. And sometimes congregations can give in to fear or discouragement or um, confusion. What changes are there going to be? How will the Lord provide for us? How can we make it without Moses? How's the Lord going to use me now that the church moves forward and these changes are going to take place, however quickly or slowly that they come? What will my role be? Well, the answer is the Lord will continue to do his work. If we keep our eyes on him, he'll do what he does. He's the shepherd of the sheep and he will grant success. And the verse 9 is so important. I am with you. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Years ago, uh, I was sharing an email exchange with another pastor, and he was going through some stuff, and 
And then he emailed me back, and the way he signed his email was great. I loved it. He's from the South, and uh, so he wanted to encourage me that he was hearing the things that the Lord was speaking to him, and he was moving forward, and he was going to do well. So this is how he signed his email. He said, ain't scared, got Jesus. <laughs> and that was it. Ain't scared. Let's all say that. Ain't scared, got Jesus. He's from the South. That's the way they talk in the South. Ain't scared. I love it. Got Jesus. And amen to that. And that's real. It's a real Jesus who's at the right hand of the Father. And he is for us and for you. And for Pastor Bill and Pastor Rick and Kelly and Michelle. Looking forward to what God is going to do. Amen? All right, turn your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 3. And I'm blessed to be here today. I count both of these men to be dear friends, uh, people who, you know what, you just don't understand how doubly blessed Calvary Chapel Mountain View really is. The fact you've had Pastor Rick and Kelly for 15 years and now you're going to have Bill and Michelle, God has twice blessed you guys. He's brought people who are called and gifted with hearts of a servant. And praise God for that. Can we say amen to that? Amen. I'm an amen pastor, by the way. You're going to have to say amen a few times or I'm going to think you're napping. All right, let's take a look here. I'm going to share a little bit out of these first few verses. And I'm going to share my heart about Rick and, and Bill and, and their wives as well. Beginning there in verse 1, it said, This is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. In the Bible, there's, a, there's three terms used for the pastor. Bishop, pastor, and elder. It's all the same guy. Bishop really describes uh, who he is, uh, describes what he does. Excuse me. He's an overseer. He leads the people spiritually. Elder describes who he is. He's a man who has spiritual maturity. Uh, you can be a Christian a long time and not be very spiritually mature, but it does take time to become a mature believer. So a pastor is one who oversees the body. He also is a man who has spiritual maturity. But pastor describes how he does it. And the word there is a word that can also be termed shepherd, but there's another definition that I love, and the, the definition is under rower. And an under rower, uh, how many of you guys saw the movie Ben-Hur, which is my favorite movie of all time, by the way? All about Jesus, you got to love Ben-Hur. Well, there's a point where Ben-Hur, as a slave, is taken captive, and he's down in the bottom of the boat, and all he does is row. He doesn't know where the captain is going to lead the ship necessarily. He's just got his eyes on the one who leads him, and he's rowing with all of his heart, and he has the total heart of a servant to do what he's called to do the best that he possibly can. In too many churches today, pastors have become celebrities, and it's all about how charismatic somebody is. And when people talk about a church, they talk about the pastor. Guys, the pastor of this church is not changing today. The pastor of this church is Jesus Christ. And, the, and, and Rick has been the under-rower faithfully with his wife for 16 years. And today you're getting another under-rower who's going to row just as hard. He may row a little bit differently. You may have to adapt to it a little bit. But I want you to know that both of these men are as called as any men I've ever met in my life. And you guys have been doubly blessed. So it talks about that. But now watch what it says about a bishop or a pastor or an elder. How are they described? It says... A bishop must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous, one who rules his own house, having his own children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule in his own house, how will he be able to take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are on the outside, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. What I find interesting about this, and as I've been a pastor for 30 years, and I've been right where Rick is today. Uh, in 2010, uh, I was pastoring the church in Santa Cruz. We planted it in 2000. I thought I'd be there the rest of my life. And just as they are leaving to go minister to their family, I did the same. 
We went through some difficulties with my sons. I knew that someone else could pastor the church, but only I could be their father. And I needed to go do what only I could do and let someone else do what someone else could do. And that someone else was Pastor Bill. So he, he was the transition pastor in that transition. And you know what? It's, it's difficult. It's hard to say goodbye. It was an emotional time. And I still love those people. And I will always feel a part of that fellowship. As I know, Rick and Kelly will always be a part of this fellowship. Can we say amen to that? And so that transition, when you have that time, when you're looking for a pastor, when you're looking for the qualifications, and by the grace of God, I've been able to raise up many assistants. I don't call anybody. God calls them. You just recognize their calling. But what I want you to notice in this section is there's 15 qualifications for a bishop, pastor, elder. But what's interesting to me, one speaks of gifting, 14 speak of character. And we focus so much on gifting that sometimes we're, we're willing to turn a blind eye to character. Here's the good news for Calvary Chapel Mountain View. You've had a man of incredible godly character, and you've got another man of godly, incredible godly character coming in right behind him. And it's because of godly characters, because of their focus on the things of God, they have the hearts of servants, that they're going to continue to point you not to themselves, but to the Lord. You know, our, our job as pastors is only to do one thing. It's to preach the word and love the people. It's to give you the word of God and help you fall more in love with our Savior, to serve you, to be the under rowers in the bottom of the ship, not the people who are celebrated. So that's what the, the word of God tells us about the calling of a pastor. And I want to take a few minutes to honor my dear friend. Sorry. I've known Pastor Rick since 1996. And the way we met didn't start off too well. At least not for Kelly. <laughs> Can I get an amen, Kelly? Amen. All right. I showed up at Calvary San Jose thinking I was going to go pastor another church, plant a church. Pastor Don asked me to go in and help with the youth. Rick was already working with the youth. Um, we had a transition there. Rick stayed. We worked together in ministry there. Uh, then later, Rick came to work with me at Pacific Bell. I want you to know that your pastor was the same man at work that he is at church. I want you to know that he was a Christ-like example in that building. Quick story. We had a lady in the office who was just plain mean. I mean mean. Rick will say amen to that. And nobody liked her. And Rick came on the scene and he got a job there and he'd never been in sales before, but boy, he tore it up. He was doing really well. He sold with integrity. God blessed him as he worked hard. And this woman started saying things, bad things about Rick because she was envious of his success. And most people would lash out. And most people in the office didn't like this woman. Rick did just the opposite. This woman was going to take a test for a promotion that Rick had already taken. Rick went into her office and said, I know you're about to take that test. What if I help you study for that? And he spent days and lunch hours helping this woman prepare. And then she passed the test and she got the promotion she was looking for. And after that, all she could do was talk about what a wonderful man Rick Franks was. Because you don't overcome evil with evil, you overcome evil with good. And he was such an example of that. It continues to be. I remember when he was going to come pastor this church. We talked about it, and one of the things he said, I'll never forget it, because he had gone to Scotts Valley, and they had planted a church there for a while, and then they went and helped in Aptos for a while, and after being in San Jose, and all that was preparation for today. It was all preparation for the 16 years he's been here, and now it's preparation for what's next. But I remember what he said, and I just loved it. He may not remember it, but I do. When I said, man, I'm excited about Mountain View, he said, I just want to go serve the Lord and serve people. He said, I want to visit them when they're sick. I want, them to know what, I want the unlovable to know that they're loved. And I want to just give them Jesus. And you know what? For 16 years, that's exactly what he's done. Can we say amen to that? Amen. Been a faithful man, a godly man. Uh, and you know what? He and his wife, as you know, one of the things that Rick and I did when we worked together, every Monday we would get together and we would fast and pray for his daughters, for their health. And I'll tell you what, when I think of Rick and Kelly, the first word I think of is faith. The Bible says a faith that hasn't been tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. And I know of nobody whose faith has been tested more 
with the difficulty they've gone through, and yet at the same time, they continue to have joy, they continue to remain strong, and those are the kind of people whose example I want to follow. How about you? And I just appreciate both of them so much. I love them both so deeply, and Kelly and I did make up. So I love their faith. I love their heart for the Lord. They're two of the kindest people you're ever going to meet. And I just love how God has used them here for 16 years. And I know what it feels like to be them. So I know how hard today's going to be. Give them hugs. Tell them you love them. It'll mean a lot. Now, the person taking their, his place or the one that God has brought, do you know that God knew before the foundation of the world that this day was coming? You might be surprised, but God's not. Can we say amen to that? I met Bill and Michelle at Calvary Chapel, San Jose, and it was funny. I don't think they probably don't remember this, but Rick introduced me to Bill the day that he led Bill to the Lord at Calvary Chapel, San Jose. Rick was doing a, a, like a new believers class. Um, Bill had responded to a message by Pastor Don, had gone down into the fireside area room, and Rick had led him to the Lord. And then I was walking by, and he introduced me and said he just gave his life to the Lord. Isn't that amazing that God used Pastor Rick to lead Pastor Bill to the Lord, and now Pastor Bill is taking over for Pastor Rick? That's called a God thing. Amen? Our God is faithful and in control. My dad would say this about Pastor Bill. He got saved real good. And you guys know my dad he used to say, no, he got saved real good. That means it took. You know, shortly after Bill got saved, you know, through some circumstances, he had an opportunity. He read over a thousand books on Christianity. He took classes online to study the Word of God in preparation for what was next, not knowing what that was going to be. Initially, he went and helped Rick and Kelly in Scotts Valley when they went moved to Aptos. I remember getting the phone call from Bill saying, "Hey, we're gonna we want to come and help you. We want to come start attending Calvary Chapel Santa Cruz. Our church was in its infancy. We we're just a few months in, and from the day he got there." Until the day I left 10 years later, he was the biggest servant in the building. He was the first one to get there and the last one to leave. Every, I would see, he'd, have, he'd be drenched in sweat. He'd show up early. He started off doing the sound. After doing the sound, he started serving, uh, you know, he started attending a discipleship group that I had for guys teaching them how to teach the Bible. Then it was very evident that God had gifted him to teach the Word of God. And he started teaching in the college group. He was overseeing ministries. And he is the best administrator in the history of all churches, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Unbelievable. He went on staff before me, because I knew putting him on staff would do more for the church than me being on staff. He knew my heart when I didn't know. I would mention something to him. He'd write a letter in my name. I'd read it, and that's exactly what I would have written and had I written it. He is supernaturally gifted that way. He has a total heart just to serve. He, just like Rick, he's very humble. He's not striving for position. He counts it a privilege to serve God in any way that God allows him to do so. Michelle is the same way. She's been very gifted by, by the Lord to serve in women's ministry. She was my son Johnny's third grade teacher. We love Bill and Michelle. They're wonderful people. And they're called and gifted by God. You know, the thing about each of them that they have in common, we talked about how they're going to be different, and they are. Don't get upset if things are a little bit different. Because guess what? God's still in control. Can we say amen to that? And every man's gifting. You know, Pastor Don used to say you take the consistency of the word of God and the variable of a man's gifting, and you put those two together, and you have the message. And this is always the same, and this is always going to be different. When Pastor Bill took over for me in Santa Cruz, again, this was always the same. It was a little bit different. That's okay. And God knew that Pastor Bill was coming, that he was going to be your new senior pastor here, that he and Michelle were going to minister to you guys, serve you guys, be the under rowers down at the bottom of the ship, faithfully leading this fellowship. When I think of both of these couples, I just think of servants, faithful, people of great faith themselves, courageous in their service for the Lord, and you know what? People whose example I want to follow. So I want you to know that God has placed this fellowship in very good hands. He's blessed you for 16 plus years. He's going to continue to bless this fellowship. 
Pastor Bill's going to have different vision in some areas than Pastor Rick had. Doesn't mean either one of them was right or wrong. It's just the time that they're in. Pastor Bill did things different when, than when I was there, and that's okay. And so what you want to do is you want to encourage that. Can we say amen to that? Well, we used to lose that from your vocabulary right now. Can I get an amen? We used to. That's the reason I plant churches and not take them over. No one can ever say that to me. There was no use to. The church I planted in Southern California, there's no one else there before me. They can't say that. So I want to encourage you. God is good. God is faithful. He loves this fellowship. He's brought you another under rower. Love on your pastor. Love on Pastor Rick and Kelly. Let them know how much you care for them. I'm convinced, Pastor Rick, God's not done with you. You're going to continue to teach the word of God. Just like when I left Santa Cruz, I said, you know what? God didn't call me to do this and didn't tell me to stop. So God's going to continue to use you. He's going to do exceedingly abundantly above all you could ask or think. And God bless your precious wife. We love you guys. You're such a great example for us to follow. We so appreciate you. Amen. 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 And Pastor Bill, I, I may be overstepping my bounds, but I feel like he's my Timothy. I spent 10 years pouring into his life. I am so excited for today. My exhortation is encourage and support your new pastor. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. Encourage and support him. This is totally the Lord. We were part of the transition team. God so clearly unanimously pointed to Pastor Bill and his wife. You guys are blessed to have them. Amen? Amen. Pastor Rick, come on up. to get through this. Thank you all for being here today. It means a lot to Kelly and I, and I want to agree with something that Pastor Bill Holdridge shared earlier, that I love you guys, and it's been the great privilege of my life to be your pastor. And I want to share briefly from the Word this morning in 2 Timothy 4. I would normally tell people to silence their cell phones at this point, but that would be rather hypocritical, so. <laughs> Sorry about that, Bill. So lame. The Lord knows how to keep us humble. So uh, I'm going to read a passage. These are the last recorded words of the great Apostle Paul. At this point, he realizes that he only has days or perhaps weeks left to live. And he's officially passing the leadership baton to uh, his younger protege, Timothy. And uh, he's. this is an important moment because... Timothy has been ministering alongside Paul for many years, and they're friends, but now he's actually just passing the baton and to Timothy. And he begins in verse 1 of chapter 4, 2 Timothy, with these words. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they, people, even some professing Christians, will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. I'm going to read the next verse too. But you, Timothy, be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. Pastor Bill, can you come up here, please? When the elder board at Calvary Chapel Mountain View installed me as the lead pastor 16 years ago, they gave me a plaque with this scripture verse engraved on it. And it, I took that as a solemn charge to teach the word without compromising, without watering it down, 
without leaving the difficult parts out and to, to feed this precious flock the full counsel of God as the word declares. And I want to give you that same charge this morning. And I want to give you this plaque. Thank you. And with God's help and with his grace, will you promise to continue that? Absolutely. For the last six weeks, you've been sticking me with a difficult <laughs> end of the chapter. So yeah. I'm <laughs> that, was a, that was a test. <laughs> yeah. So we, we were splitting up the book of Matthew, and I would cherry pick it and take the really good passages and then give him, like, the ones talking about... Uh, unpardonable sins. Yeah, unpardonable sins and stuff like Hey, you got that one, right? <laughs> but um, we'd like to have the... Uh, Pastors and elders and Michelle, if you could come up. And we want to just symbolically, officially lay hands on Bill and pray for God to anoint him to fulfill this role. We're having a little, uh, I thought he was in charge, and now he's telling me I'm still in charge, so we'll get it figured out. Let's pray for Bill and Michelle. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you have begun a good work in their lives, Lord, and you knew the moment that Bill bowed his head and prayed to receive Christ as a Savior with me 20 some odd years ago, Lord, that you were going to call him to be the pastor of this fellowship and that you were going to call Michelle to be the pastor's wife. And Lord, we are so excited knowing that you're going to do great and mighty things through this couple. And Father, we do pray that you would anoint them, Father, that you would strengthen them, that you would give them everything they need, Jesus, to continue to shepherd this flock. And Lord, I know that there's areas of weakness I have, and I just know, Lord, that you're going to use Bill to fill in those and, and to take this church to new places and greater blessing, Lord. And I, I'm just knowing the, the amount of warfare in the Bay Area, I'm going to pray that you would protect him and Michelle from the enemy and the fiery darts. We pray, Father, that you would just pray the blood of Jesus over the Bjorkman family. And Lord, I pray for their children, Father, as I know that this transition isn't easy for them and leaving their friends in Scotts Valley. And Lord, just pray your grace would be sufficient for all of this. So Lord, we place them into your hands. We thank you for calling them and equipping them and, and bringing them here for such a time as this. And we ask your blessing upon them in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay, so I'm going to be quick. I was actually told by the um, Heather and Chris who run the children's ministry that they have two sets of lessons. They have one set for when Pastor Rick's teaching and another set already for when Pastor Bill's teaching. They have more activities and extra crafts. And <laughs> No, this will be fast, I promise. <laughs> uh, to say that um, we're encouraged and honored today by... Uh, by Pastor Bill and Pastor Dave and Pastor Rick and Pastor Kelly would be an understatement, but um, most of all, I, I truly mean it when I say that we are honored by all of you being here today with us. Um, there was something that the Lord really ministered to me. Recently, I was, I was reading through the book of Acts, and I was reminded again, of course, as we all are every time we read through the book of Acts, that this is a book that seemingly has no ending, right? It just finishes fairly abruptly with the Apostle Paul in the midst of what would be a two-year house arrest in Rome, and yet we watch him ministering freely, it says. And some have suggested that Dr. Luke, for one reason or another, simply didn't finish writing the story. And yet I would suggest to you what I know that you well-taught Bible students know, that the real reason is that simply the story isn't finished at all, is it? And God hasn't finished writing the story because he's writing this story even now through our lives and through his continued work of his Holy Spirit working through the church. He's been writing it for 2,000 years. He's been writing it specifically for the past 20 years through all of you faithful folks here at Calvary Chapel Mountain View, and of course, through the last 16, through the faithfulness of Pastor Rick 
and Kelly. And today, the Lord is simply turning the page and starting on the next chapter. Together, we are God's continuing story. We are the next chapter as the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the, the hope and the healing that it brings and the mending of broken hearts that it's capable of, as we share that with people that so desperately need some sense of hope, right? And some sense of good news. And we're doing this together, right? We're doing this together because we're united in him and we're united in this ministry. And today as we close... We're going to finish by celebrating communion, as we do always on the first Sunday of every month. And frankly, I can think of no better way to continue this next chapter. Because in communion, of course, we're united with the Lord Jesus in his death. And yet we're also united, aren't we, with one another. We're united in him. We're united in his gospel mission. And there's this beautiful sense of connectedness that we all share both with the Lord Jesus and with each other. So today, we're going to come, we're going to pick up the elements, self-serve as we usually do, but once you get them, if you could, take them back to your seats and we'll all partake of them together. Amen? Amen. It sounded like Pastor Dave again, right? So, Kissy, if you'd come on up and lead us, uh, and as Kissy ministers, just feel free to come forward, pick up the elements, and, and go back to your seat, but, uh, but don't take them yet. Of course, kids, you're with us today, and parents, you can help your kids. Uh, if, uh, if you'd like them to receive communion, of course, it's available to them, too. But let's just um, wait on the Lord together as we take communion. Received from the Lord... That which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so we take the bread, right, broken, pierced, striped, and we take it remembering Jesus' body broken for us. So let's take the bread together. Paul continues, he says that in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so we take the cup together, remembering his blood, right, poured out unto death for our life. So let's take the cup together. Father, how thankful we are, Lord for the new life that we've been given in Christ, Lord. We're so thankful for his sacrifice, Lord, and for your grace and for your mercy on each one of us. Father, we're thankful that you desire to work through us, Lord, to get the good news of that gospel out. Lord. We count it a privilege, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, in taking this communion together, our hope today is that it's an opportunity for us to remember and really to celebrate, to focus on right, that sacrifice of Jesus, that new life he's provided, and, and even more so that connectedness which it provides to each one of us as we go out ministering you know, for this next chapter of this story that God's writing here. I want to thank you today for being here. And I want to thank you, of course, on behalf of all of the church elders here at Mountain View, those characters that came up here just for a minute. And then as quickly as, as they came up, they came down. But Rick Riggin, 
served so faithfully here for so many years and we appreciate him and of course Mark Eldridge and Jack, Mike Duarte, uh, Jeff, one of our pastors here and of course Tosh. All of these men, I couldn't be more privileged to have them uh, here as co-laborers in this ministry. And we're looking forward to what it is that the Lord is going to do. So I tell you what, there's been a fantastic feast prepared. So many have been working so long and so hard. And there's a feast for us back in, uh, in the back. And we hope that you'll stay. It's a thankful feast because we are so thankful for the work that the Lord is doing here and has done in our midst. And we're thankful, of course, we want to take this feast as an opportunity really to honor Rick and Kelly. And as Pastor Dave suggested, make sure you hug on them during the feast today. Um, but before the feast, I'm told that we have to do a group selfie or a panorama. Because if, if you don't document it, then apparently it didn't probably happen. So Pastor Mike's going to take a, uh, some sort of a panoramic picture that uh, we hope to give to Rick and Kelly so they don't forget us here. Amen. Thanks. Yeah. You know, millennials, you know. Okay, so uh, if everyone could, you know, like kind of do the whole cheese thing for me, uh, be fantastic. Unfortunately, since it's a pano, that means like, okay, you guys over here, you can just kind of like do your resting mean face for a little bit until I get over to there. And then like when the camera starts getting over there and then all of a sudden get like, I am super excited face, like. That'd be awesome, all right? So over here, hang in there. I'll be there shortly, all right? All right, thanks. Okay, on three over here, all right? One, two, three. Actually, I already started, so I fooled you guys. Okay, so one, two, three. Okay, now you guys over here. Yep, all right, good job. Now the phone's telling me to slow down. All right, Mark's doing a crazy pose in back. Awesome. Okay, you guys over here, you can hope you guys are smiling. Okay, I'm coming up to you guys. I haven't forgotten about you. Yep, 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 yep. You guys did fantastic. You guys should give yourselves a round of applause. All right. Thanks. So apparently, only in the Silicon Valley would we end a church service with a group selfie. But <laughs> would you guys stand and, uh, and sing with me just for a moment? I love you, Lord. And I lift my voice to worship you, O my soul, rejoice, take joy, my King, in what you let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. Let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. Amen. Thanks for being here. We will see every one of you here next Sunday. Amen in those seats. God bless you. Let's have a feast.